Justin. I'm Maurice, and you're listening to Category, Category Is. Hey, Maurice, how was your weekend? I had the worst pedicure of my life on Friday. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Where would you go? <laughs> I went to Polish. I think that's the name of oh, it. Oh, you want to put it out there? Yeah. Okay. On 24th <laughs> and Fairmount. And I usually go to a place that's a little bit less fancy. It's I wouldn't say it's ghetto, but it's just not high tech. Oh, the place I go down the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The gallery. Yeah. And so, because they don't, you can't do like an appointment online there. Mm-mm. And so I was, you know, like, okay, I'm coming from work. It's Friday afternoon. Let me, you know, book it online so I have a seat. Like they know I'm coming and I don't have to wait. Because, you know, I do not like to wait. Waits for nothing. Yeah. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, let me go to Polish. You know, it's a little bit upscale, if you will. You can schedule your appointment online. When you get there, they offer you, like, do you want some wine? Can I get you, like, a cocktail? Some supper homes. <laughs> it's like Boone's Farm. Oh, gosh. <laughs> you know, they want to give you some champagne. And I was like, okay, like, this, is, this is, you know, cute. Got in my chair, like, on time. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm about to get, like, a really good pedicure. And it was the most basic pedicure I've ever had Mm-mm. in my life. Like, she did the least. <laughs> did you go together? Like, correct her. Yeah, because, like, so she was um, just not doing anything. And then at one point, she started, like, tapping her fingertips on my feet. And I was like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm giving you a massage. And I was like, mm, well, can you get at that pinky toe a little bit more? Cause, but anyway, um, so next time, I think I'm going to, you know, just suck it up and go to the place down the street. Uh, it's kind of like Fairmont Nails or something. It's real basic. Yeah, like, it's real, oh, yeah. It, 19, mm. It's like between 20th and It's by the ice cream shop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right Mandarin. down from there. They do a good job. They do. That's the thing. Like, you might have to wait a little bit, but, you know, they get your feet all the way together. Right. And for a cute little price. Yeah. But the best pedicure I ever had was in, remember in Montreal? Oh, man. And we went to Boda Boda. Yes. Spa. It was like a spa on this on like boat. moored boat. Yeah. Bitch. Shout out to my girl, Claire. Oh. <laughs> I still remember her, remember her name. That pedicure was amazing. Child. It was like, what? My pedicure was longer than your massage. It was. And, and was that like, massage was probably one of the um, worst massages oh, of my really? life. You know why? Because I had the first massage of the day. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm 6'3". Mm-hmm. And they like ask if you prefer um, a, male. a male or a woman. Yeah. I don't really care. Because yeah. actually, women usually give me better massages oh, really? than men. Okay. But when um little four foot eight lady, <laughs> sorry I don't remember her name, walked out, it was uh-huh. just not gonna work. Oh, uh, you should have got that cute guy. <sighs> I know yeah. he was like tall. Yeah, but I I was afraid. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no sir, yeah. I don't want you. <laughs> I want you to be rubbing up on me. Yeah, but yeah, that was a, you said that was really good. It was. It was the it, my feet were so soft for like a month afterwards. <sighs> it was amazing. Child, well, I need I need to book a trip to Montreal because yeah, these kids is rough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, that was pretty much it. How was your weekend? I saw the movie Judy with my nan. Okay. And that's my um my grandmother. I call her my nanny. Mm-hmm. Nan. So we went to go see Judy, and it was really cute. It was about Judy Garland. Um, I think Renee Zellweger is going to Oscar. win an Oscar. Really. I mean, I would hope that she would win over J-Lo for Hustlers, but the well, way that the world is going now. Well, J-Lo will be supporting. No, I think she'd be lead. Well, but you know, it's also um, a strategy, too, because 
if Judy is gonna win or like the super favorite to win, right? For lead, actress, then she'll put in for then supporting. she'll go for supporting because it's probably a lesser. But I just don't know how game. she would be supporting though. It's an ensemble cast. It is oh, okay. Yeah, but st- um, because her and Constance Wu were like mm-hmm. the lead. I guess then she'd yeah. have to consider Constance Wu the lead. Uh, I mean, but again, mm-hmm. Hustlers was entertaining. Judy was good in terms of how Renee Zellweger acted it. Okay. I thought that she like had a really, really great performance. Like all the little like um it's just amazing to watch an actor kind of like become someone in terms of like their posture, little ticks, well, little she became somebody else when she got that new face because you can't recognize her Watch at all. Out. The movie was kinda sad though, because it kind of just focused on like the last six months of her life. Uh-huh. And she was like addicted to pills, drinking, sad, alone, depressed. She lost custody of her children and died poor. They didn't have no Wizard of Oz in there? I mean, she sung Somewhere Over the Rainbow mm-hmm. and the entire theater was crying. And that was the other thing. So we went to the theater. <laughs> it was a matinee. Oh, and it was in New Jersey. Uh-huh. And it was with all these senior citizens. <laughs> and so I was about to be knuck up, knuck if you buck in there with them senior citizens. Oh, because you know, today when you go to the theater, you order your tickets online. Mm-hmm. So we went to lunch. We went we, to order our tickets. We went to go purchase our tickets at the mm-hmm. box office, but there was a line going out the door. Because you don't know old people don't know nothing about the internet. <laughs> Child. I'm like, what senior citizen, uh, senior <laughs> living community had to bust these people in and drop them off? It's a field trip. It was. When we got in the theater, there were people in our seats. Mm-hmm. I young black man was not about to ask all these gray hair old ladies <laughs> to uh, get up out of my seat so i was like man are you gonna ask them because i'm surely not yeah i was like let's just go find new seats mm-hmm. in comes the people the other older people on their walkers with their canes <laughs> with their oxygen tanks come and hover around and this man with the oxygen tank and his canes like you're in our seats <laughs> and we're like my, my, my nan's like oh sorry we just sat here because uh-huh. other people are in, are in our seats and he's like, I don't care. Also went to my grandfather's birthday party. It's Libra season. I got lots of Libras in my oh, life yes. that are close to me. You know why? Why? So the way the calendar is set up is that um, Libras are like the end of September to mm-hmm. like mid-October. Okay. And so during the holidays, which is, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and into January, like New Year's, New Year's Eve, is that, you know, it's really cold outside. People are off work. Um, so they don't have anything else to do, but do what that. What do the lonely do <laughs> yeah. at Christmas, at Christmas? Oh, no, ma'am. And so, yeah, so they just, um... You know, I love, that's my favorite Patty song. Is it? She got so many other <laughs> that's songs. My, that's my favorite Patty Christmas oh, song. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so they are doing that indoors when it's cold out, and then the kids come 40 weeks later. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I was conceived, I believe, in June, so I was like, you know, uh... Hot girl summer, Hot girl, baby. summer baby, yeah, you know, it's gonna be a lot it, of those <laughs> next <laughs> March, right? Like you make it a stallion. Yes, my grandfather's birthday. That uh-huh. was a nice party, again with much older crowd, mm-hmm. uh, blaring music. I, my young ears couldn't handle well, it. I don't know how it. theirs were. <laughs> they couldn't hear. But um, my best friend John, he celebrated his a milestone birthday, right. and then my um, other friend Esteban um, is having a birthday. So, all these Libras. What are you drinking tonight? Tonight, I'm drinking wine. Okay. Uh, I'm just having a lovely little Malbec from Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Evita. <laughs> yeah, has you ever seen that one with Ricky Martin? Ricky Martin was not in Evita. No, he was in the stage. Oh, the okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. No, no. Not the movie. <laughs> yeah. The movie's horrible. It was fine. Madonna is horrible. 
well, yeah. but this knobback's not. <laughs> um, it's decent. It's dry. Mm-hmm. It's red. But we got to get back into our cocktail game. Yeah, we do. We've been having some fails, some fails lately. So, but it's okay. It's, it's all right. What are you drinking? So I am hopping on the newest trend in wine. This week, I am drinking an orange wine. Is it made from oranges? That's no, it's not. Okay, it's a, it's a misnomer because it's the color's orange. It looks like a cider, like a beer, a little bit. So it's a Garonica. What you call me? So it is from somewhere in Italy, and the way that it gets its orange color is that they um, it's a white wine, but they make it in the same way that they make a red wine. So they ferment it with the seeds and the skin still on okay and then that kind of gives it the so you what you're saying is they don't ferment white wine with the skin and the seeds not yeah so they skin them Mm -hmm. and then take the seeds out Mm -hmm. oh i didn't know that yeah and i've been to plenty of winery tours they never say that to you i think they probably did but i was just too drunk to listen or too like consumed (laughs) like just drinking the wine great lady falls oh my gosh (laughs) that is epic 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 have you ever been to a wine tasting yes my first wine tasting i was like 22 maybe Uh and it was at this organization in philly that i'm not sure whether or not they're defunct but it was called like ebony grapes oh did you go to that did we, go to, did we go to that together? No. Oh. I, mm, never mind. I'm not going to tell my business on oh. here. Tell us off the mic. <laughs> well, yeah. anyway, I was invited to this event. Uh-huh. It, the organization, I believe, was like kind of headed by black gay men. Mm-hmm. So we probably can have some talks. Mm-hmm. But I went to the event, and it's just all these people drinking all this wine from all over the world. Rather, you know, fancy. Or at least I thought it was fancy when okay. I was 22. Because yeah. now looking back, I was like, this is the ghetto. Mm-hmm. But they were spitting into this bucket mm-hmm. and I just thought it was so disgusting mm-hmm. and I still to this day I do not spit my wine out at tastings I don't waste liquor and it's nasty but yeah no this, this is cute this orange wine I don't know if I can drink the whole bottle though yeah it's a little like on the verge of being like a dessert wine right it's a little too sweet for yeah, me yeah you know but it's good category is breakups to makeups Shut breakups up. so one of my favorite people why uh I don't I just there's something about her like okay she's like my second favorite after mariah no i mean like of the kardashian card generous. so who's your first yeah. kim okay well kylie would probably be like maybe my third because it's like kim chris and then because my favorite is kendall and chris really yeah okay mm-hmm. i can see that mm-hmm. yeah but so kylie and her baby daddy they broke up or they're taking a break. What does that even mean? I don't know. Because I think they lasted longer than I gave them in the beginning. Child, me too. Because I, I didn't know there was a couple till they was pregnant. Well, she, they didn't either. Because they, <laughs> they were like dating for like three weeks and she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was like, okay. Chris was like that meme where she's like, hold up. <laughs> Let me figure out. How to make some money off with of the this. gun? With the gun, right. yeah. So I think it was like one of those situations. Oh gosh! Because it's like usually people wouldn't like try to start a relationship after that, right, right off of that. And so anyway, um, they lasted through the pregnancy, and now the kid is like what, almost two? I don't know how old the Chicago is. Um, no, this is stormy. stormy. Yeah, Ugh. because they didn't have a solid foundation pre-pregnancy. Right. Yeah. yeah, like it's really hard. It's 2019. Mm-hmm. Life moves faster, especially for her. I mean, she's yeah. allegedly a self-made billionaire. She's a billionaire. And she grew up in this life. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's not for her. Like, she, she's like 
only lived like a quarter of her life. Does she really think she's going to settle down with <laughs> the ASAP Ferg? Yeah. You know, wait, is that, no. I'm trying to, which one is he? Something with a dollar sign. I don't know. No. But it's just like, come on, let's just be realistic yeah. here. And I just think that it's sometimes healthier to have co-parents. Mm-hmm. Dysfunctional home with two parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather live in a home with one parent that is okay than two parents who aren't. Or live, you know, or, or co-parent and share mm-hmm. time with two parents who yeah. are okay. Yeah. So I think that they should put their relationship first. Who's? Um, the parents. The parents. Um, no. I mean, I agree with what you're saying. That I think that a lot of people feel that pressure to stay together for the kids. And, you know, it's just not working out. And those kids, you know, they are going to see that. They're going to, you know, hear y'all arguing. Right. They can, they can sense a lot more. Right. And they're present. So they know what's going on like, mm-hmm. behind the scenes. Like, you have you ever seen, like, on TV and stuff, those parents who they either... Like go into the laundry room and, fight. and yeah, whisper, fight, <laughs> or, or like cry in the car. Or, yeah, and it's just like mm, okay, but I would rather them like just not be together. I don't really truly believe in breaks. I'm, I, again, I don't know. That sometimes a break can be healthy, right? Sometimes when you talk about it, it should have an end. Where if you, if you well, it should have a pre or a mutually described end, right? Or, or, or determined end. Well, most um, relationship. Therapists say that a break should not last more than uh, 48 hours. Right. Yeah. Because then you're just broken up. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it's just like, once you get to a certain point, I'm going to begin, it's a process of grieving, get resentful. And it's mm-hmm. just like, okay, well, now the trust is broken and we're not getting back. Yeah. But to me, a break, if you have to break from the relationship, I'm not going to say 48 hours. Because that's just like, no, I'm going cause... through something. I just need my, my personal space. I need to just kind of shut down. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, they have a kid, whatever, but like, I feel like, okay, it should, a break should be no longer than like a week to me. Mm, but that's it, a long and that's time. even a long time. But yeah. then you determine at, when you have that discussion prior mm-hmm. to the break, look, I need the break for these reasons. It's about communication. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people use a break like they use bisexual. And I know this sounds <laughs> weird, but I feel like a lot of people Ooh, come out as bisexual. No, 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 but no. I feel like a lot of people use bisexual mm-hmm. as a way to side step out the closet. And then, like, oh, I'm bisexual. And then before you know it, they just get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also feel like a lot of people use, oh, I think we should take a break. To just like fuck everybody right. around town. Exactly. And then just and size then come up back, yeah. and be like, oh, you know, I don't really want to get together. Yeah. Like, just my thing is be honest. Speak from your heart up front. Mm-hmm. Because it's just about, that's just, it's not being honest from the front. Yeah. And the other person knows what it is. Yeah, yeah. So just like. If you want to have any kind of anything, just like preserve that. Mm-hmm. Be real with me and be real with yourself and yeah. move forward. Yeah. So, and I, what I was um, saying earlier is I think that, you know, those parents who stay together for years for the right. kids, be unhappy, wait until the kids, what, go to college, graduate college, and then get a divorce. It's like you wasted everybody's time. Everybody's because time. Because now it's like, oh, well, I was unhappy for so long, but we stayed together for y'all. For what? For what? Them kids will be okay. They're probably more fucked up because of it. Yeah, now they're more fucked up, but they would have been okay, you know, 15 years ago. Right, because kids are resilient. Yeah. They're adaptable. Mm-hmm. They're going to be okay. They'll be all right. All right, child. And so will Stormy, because she's going to get all that money. Of course. Very soon, uh, Kylie and Mr. Rocky are going to be hiring uh, family lawyers to handle their custody oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah. And speaking of lawyers, let's talk about this case that happened last week. Mm. Did you hear about it? This is the Botham Jean case. Is he related to Wyclef? Jean. Uh-huh. 
He's probably, Haitian. you know, Haitian? I feel like Haitian is the um, Haitian. Oh my god, this drink got to be child. I feel like Jean is the Haitian Smith. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's always, the most it's, common. Yeah. But it's always like Jean something. Jean Marie Baptiste. Yes, all mm-hmm. it's like it's always like Jean something mm-hmm. else, you know. So, if you guys, just a quick reminder, this was a case that happened, I believe, last year mm-hmm. when um, the officer Geiger was returning home from her shift as a police officer in Dallas, Texas. And she went into her apartment building, and I believe she lived the floor above yeah, it Mr. Was, Jean. Yeah. And she walked into her build. she walked into the home. I don't even know how she gained entry. That was my question. Like, how Maybe, did you get in there? But you know, a lot of people be sitting in their house with the door unlocked. That's true. You know, we can't do that here in Philadelphia. No. <laughs> Especially not where you be living. Oh, stop. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> you know, I always like to live hood adjacent. Oh, real adjacent. Well, you know, um, she got into the home and I guess he yeah. was sitting there on the couch eating his ice cream. What Everyone flavor? keeps really, I don't know what flavor ice okay. cream. Everyone keeps bringing that ice cream up. Mm-hmm. But that's like a, um, like, it's like a technique to like, try to like, psycho- it's a psychological technique to soften. But again, so like but to me, uh-huh. it shouldn't even matter what he was eating. Right. You know, I don't care if he was in there jerking off. I don't huh? care if he was in there smoking crack. Mm-hmm. He's in the privacy of his, his home. home. Yeah. But that like, you know, like, which people have nostalgic things with ice cream mm-hmm. but you know she just walked up in the house and just shot him up mm-hmm. no questions asked mm-hmm. she failed to call 911 immediately yeah. she failed to administer any first aid yeah. like to me this seems a bit premeditated and i also believe that there was some kind of like i mean this wasn't necessarily testified but there was mm-hmm. some like alluding to the fact that they may have dated or kind of had like some connection prior to well she was distracted because she was sexting her uh, work her co-worker Right. Yeah. And I know that she also, within her first six months on the Dallas police force, had also um, misused her, uh, her, fire her firearm Ooh, no, and uh, also shot someone. <laughs> so what? Like, yeah, like, not, like misuse of the firearm oh, was wow. in, in, in shooting someone. Oh, girl. So this woman was clearly not um, apt mm. to be serving in the role of a police officer. Yeah. And she killed this man in cold blood. But it really is an interesting case legally because of the fact that's like, she believed that she had the protection of the Stand Your Ground statute. But how does that really work in an apartment building, right? Well, I thought it was the castle. It's the castle doctrine. doctrine. Yeah. But under the castle doctrine, it's not necessarily in Texas. Okay. But the castle doctrine is just like an idea okay. of like it's how people bullshit. should be able to protect themselves in their homes mm-hmm. in its curtilage. But it was not her home. Right. But that's what I'm <laughs> saying. It brings into argument in uh-huh. urban areas. How does that work? You know, because it's like usually if someone steps onto your property or like past your fence, mm-hmm. you can just shoot them up. No questions asked. That's true. Yeah. Point blank. Mm-hmm. But like in apartments and in city dwellings, there's so many common spaces. Like what is considered your home? Is it once mm-hmm. you're in the apartment building? Is it, no. Are you in the vestibule? Are you in your actual apartment unit? It's so I think. What about do, the laundry room? <laughs> they have common areas and then they have like, this is specifically your area. Right. Yeah. Right. But so they they weren't in the hallway though. They weren't in the um, activity room. They weren't in the movie lounge. Sure, but did she have a reasonable apprehension of fear while in? You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it, it, it can get kind of tricky no. because there hasn't been many cases like this. This is a really novel well, case. But my own thing is this is still some bullshit because my thing is this bitch. I know the difference between walking two flights and three flights. Yeah. Maybe I'm just out of shape and a winded ass bitch. <laughs> but I would be like, this is not my home. Yeah. I'd be like, this is not my doormat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this ain't my reef. Yeah. This is just, when I walked in, I'd be like, this ain't my decor. Yeah. You just shoot them up all quick. Mm-hmm. So anyway, 
there was the sentencing of the case, mm-hmm. and it's received a lot of controversy um, from people on the internet. Black Twitter. For multiple reasons. Mm-hmm. But let's first talk about when um, Mr. Zhang's brother asked the judge whether or not he could hug the defendant. Well. <clears throat> and he asked her twice. Mm-hmm. And I forget what the judge's name is. But Tammy I, Kemp. I kind of, I, I will defend you. I won't. But what I cannot defend was you wearing those fake thong Birkenstocks. Not the with her robe. Did you not see them? Did you not see the photo? I ain't see anything okay. about this case. So there's photographs of her like that are like full. Uh-huh. And I just feel like you should always have on a closed toe in a courtroom. She didn't know she was going to be coming up down you always got to bench. be. You always got to be prepared to come off the bench. <laughs> she is not Judge Maybelline. She is not Judge Hatchet. I'm just saying. She... She could have put on a ready. ballet flat. Something. But something. It's just you have the robe, and the robe don't go to the floor. It don't go all the way, yeah. But you got on, like, these, like, little Birkenstock. Mm. No, ma'am. How her toes look, though. She had a good pedicure. They wasn't even done. See? She should have went, went. <laughs> went to the place you went. She should have went to the place you But, um, so back to the original point. Uh-huh. The brother asked if he could give the defendant a hug. And the judge, like, kind of paused and looked at him. So I think she was, she paused and she looked at him because she was like, damn, you stole my shit. I was Ooh. coming down to Ooh. hug her. And <laughs> no. so she was mad that he stole her thunder, basically. I've never seen a witness from the family go over and actually physically touch. Mm-hmm. They're allowed to address yeah. him and say how, like, how his actions or their actions impacted their family through yeah. the loss. Mm-hmm. Because this is, it's just a security risk. Yeah. Um, it was just... Odd. Like the whole case was odd to me. Mm-hmm. And like recently, the judge has been like doing her interview rounds and she's saying, you know, things like, well, if the if um, Geiger was a black woman, then nobody would be coming for me for hugging her. True. Um, okay, I guess. But it's not, but it's but, not two sides, <laughs> but it's not two sides of the same coin. Right, right. Like, these I are just, two different coins, sis. And I just think that. The whole case was just bizarre. It was bizarre. To me. And, you know, I would not have wanted to be the judge in this case. Why not? Just because there's so many novel issues. Like, I don't know that it was premeditated, but I'm like, how could it not be? It's just from an evidentiary standard. Mm -hmm. It's just, I don't know how. For her, because as the judge, you're like the referee, right? Like, how do you ref that? Yeah. And then the jury, um, because there was like interviews with, two of the jurors that I saw and the black girl, she seemed a little hood adjacent. Stop. And she was like, uh-uh, I couldn't give her 25 to life. I couldn't give her no harsh sentence because, I mean, she was crying. So, I mean, so. that's remorse. So, I mean, so I, I I felt bad even giving her 10. I was like, mm-hmm. But why is she, see, so she's afflicted or impacted by white woman tears. <laughs> Apparently. But for me, I think as black people, we can sometimes be too forgiving. Like, and I think that that's uh, just because of religion. Like, I think Christianity teaches people to forgive and move on. Mm-hmm. A little too much. A little too quickly mm-hmm. before they like, before well, you're able I, to process. I think more so for black people because we're like, even with um, going back to that church shooting in Charleston, mm-hmm. South Carolina, and all of the victims' families were just like, oh, we forgive him and... You know, we're Christians, so we're going to forgive. And it was like this outpouring of forgiveness and almost support for him. And I was just like, 
Uh, but my question is, is South your grandmama. I remember that case in South mm-hmm. Carolina where they took the boy to the Burger King because mm-hmm. he was hungry. Mm-hmm. But like the the bodies were still in the church and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the families are like, we forgive him. And I'm like, but do you really? Because like, I feel like to get to a point of forgiveness, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot of things that must come it's first. It's a process, yeah. You know? Because mm-hmm. I know that if that were my family member, yeah. no way. Okay. But And I'm not that religious of a person, so maybe that's why okay. I don't have that knee-jerk reli- forgiveness thing, but that's yeah. all I'm going to say. The only good thing I see that came from this case was that when they were showing the pictures, they put up her mugshot, and she looked at a mess. Who? And then, her? Yeah. And then, but they actually had a good picture of Mr. Jean. Oh, like not like not like yeah the worst picture the worst ever. picture ever that they could find. And there was the other thing that a lot of the people on the internet's and the social medias was Black talking Twitter. about with regard to the judge or the bailiff first um, fixing her hair during the sentencing. Mm. And she probably got lice. So now we have part two of our conversation with Einstein Health Network. We are talking about HIV prevention, the use of pre-exposure prophylaxis, also known as PrEP. And taking control of your your health. Yeah, sexual health. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that John and I do in our outreach is kind of a workshop, and we call it Taking Back Your Health, where we let folks know no matter what insurance you have, you're a consumer. Whatever provider you have, you're paying them to do this. So, like, mm-hmm. your experiences of not feeling comfortable talking to your non-LGBT specific provider, even though it's still hard, we try to encourage folks to do that. We encourage them to bring paper and take notes to check in with your insurance ahead of time. Um, But then on the other side of that, that's just like something we do to help our community um, because those groups are very black centered. Um, But the other aspect of our programs is that, so there's patient navigation with the PRIDE program. So if someone is at the pharmacy and they're having difficulty or they they want to talk to their provider about PrEP but they don't feel comfortable mm-hmm. and they feel comfortable having one of us in the PRIDE program, um, there's two of us now, <laughs> um, so only two. It used to just be one. Now I can say us. Uh, but we can attend that appointment right. with them to help them navigate mm-hmm. that, to help create that empowerment within um, the person when they're navigating healthcare systems. Um because that is one of the biggest things is mm-hmm. like that stigma and then not understanding or having another ear. Cause how many times, like mm-hmm. even within our conversation right now, we're probably hearing different things and like taking different parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens to people yeah. in health uh, situations and it's overwhelming also. Right. Mm-hmm. And then all the layers to it. So mm-hmm. we, we try to extend that, uh, w- to, to the community so that they have that support. Yeah. Um, and we've been lucky that the Pride program specifically could be designed where that's one of the things that we do is like help people to navigate those things where it allows me and John to support folks when they need those things um, so that they can have those conversations. Right. Right. And and folks that look like us, mm-hmm. right? So there's a lot of love in what we're doing and, and, and how we're trying to present this information. Um, and at the end of the day, um, it's really, it's personal. It's personal for me. It's personal for Darius, um, and when you show up like that in these mm-hmm. spaces, I think people can relate to it. Um, and it's education. I think that we've been saying that around the yeah. table, um, breaking down these barriers that um, they're very real, and not enough people of color, uh, black people, are taking prep. You know that the data shows that, it mm-hmm. proves it. Um, so, 
and for the education part, uh, I would like to like add that making that language accessible is something that we've done right. Like the way that we approach, so like our last workshop at uh-huh. the Attic Youth Center, the way we started it to get them to like talk about healthcare was we did a story. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know, I went to the ER and this is what happened. And then each person added to that story. And then out of that story, we took the themes that were coming up. So like food insecurity, um, mental health. Uh, there were just a, a few different... Right, drug use. Yeah, drug use. So then we we start the conversation that way where it's just like, this is what we're experiencing every day. And then how do we, you know, how do we address this together? Um and look at these different like places that we're how do we support each other mm-hmm. um and i would say that's that i mean that's true even in a less formal setting like we show up in supermarkets we've been at shot right mm-hmm. we've been uh barber shops mm-hmm. beauty salons mm-hmm. uh the libraries laundromat. Mm-hmm. the laundromat um where else you have to go where the people we go everywhere yeah are, right? <laughs> yeah i do block parties so yeah. right we yeah. just show up just show yeah up. and we i think at this like my my partner and family they're like you need to get your own car now because <laughs> I just keep our stuff uh-huh. in the car. So, yeah, like, right. if I'm walking down the street or driving, like, I'll drop it off in a coffee shop and mm-hmm. things. But I think the, like, when you approach, like, healthcare is very colonized, right, in the perspective. And when you're coming to our communities, mm-hmm. like, I don't want someone, like, one, you're talking to people about compliance using mm-hmm. words like that like yeah. it where it, you that's not how you're so like, right. you don't do it it's right. a very white perspective yeah. right um and yeah it it, yeah. it, it, it <laughs> so often like even in trainings like i think we've probably all been to an lgbtq training or something mm-hmm. like that right think or, or a diversity training like mm-hmm. which are supposed to be meant to help our communities right. but why do we feel so infuriated when we leave them most of the time or like yeah. who did this, who put this on and who is this really for right. so I think that was one of the questions that we thought about like okay we've got the prep program we've got the pride program we do these trainings but who is it for and we decided to take that from like yes we're still training providers and encouraging them to do this but we're like we need to give our power back to our people right. and we need to support them in that right. um, and that's where our focus has been mm-hmm. um where they can go on those appointments and ask those questions and know, hey, no, I know that I can get a card um, for this, or right. I know that because I'm on hormones and this is filt- this medication filters through my kidneys that you should know about the effects it might have mm-hmm. for me as a trans-identified or a non-binary identified person, um, which some providers don't know. So that's why it's really important for like the other part mm-hmm. of that is having that educational piece for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the only way for them to do that is to kind of see a reflection or they want to hear that story, which is unfortunate, right? Like yeah. you need to hear a story of like how something went poorly yeah. in order to help our community. Mm-hmm. And then also like, I think one of the benefits that we have right now is that LGBTQ community, specifically like trans communities right now and prep are big like buzz things and people are talking about them right now Mm -hmm. so we can gain the support from our hospital Mm -hmm. leadership and things like that and to to get the funding maybe or the freedom to do the outreach the way that we do Mm -hmm. um because it looks good for them so unfortunately we have to utilize that in these moments Mm -hmm. uh to get larger communities to support the work that we're doing yeah because everything's a partnership right yes and you want the buy-in from the community, and you also want the buy-in from the providers. So it's mm-hmm. like twofold. You kind of 
you know, meeting it from both sides. There's a point that came up and has been com coming up in some of my community outreach or with LGBT folk that uh, people who are living with HIV mm -hmm. in some way feel uh, disregarded and, and as if we're the message we're sending is it's dangerous to have HIV mm -hmm. and this mm -hmm. is what you have to do to, to protect yourself. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would like, you know, addressing that, that's as far from what the point we're trying to make. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the reality though is that if you don't have HIV and there's a way to prevent perfect. it, this is perfect. Mm -hmm. But um, people living with HIV, and we know this, undetectable, untransmittable. So now with the, the way medicine works, and people are living and thriving, have, living with HIV. Mm -hmm. um, we want people living. We, there's something that they can offer to the conversation too. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, um, we. I have uh, developed a, a group of uh, guys. We're trying to put together a group of guys called the Crew, which mm -hmm. is a group of men who have sex with men. But out of that, one of the things that I want to learn and help them teach each other is that there there is a segment of men or people. Who are navigating um, the world of online dating apps mm -hmm. and not getting HIV and we want to know how they do that mm -hmm. like simply how are you doing that what does it look like what it what what is your skill what tactics are you using so that you're protecting yourself mm -hmm. and maybe harness that mm -hmm. into people who um, are having trouble with that because the trouble is real it's nothing they're doing wrong it's just that they it's information or whatever right. techniques they're using uh -huh. with the apps or whatever so um, you know, gathering all these people together because when you talked about the community partners, mm -hmm. right? Our community partners and Darius, uh, we have a group of people. So they're uh, business leaders, mm -hmm. uh, some clergy, mm -hmm. uh, some uh, representatives from city government, um, like block captains yeah. and business owners. So mm -hmm. we we meet like every three or four months, okay. and we're we're. They are guiding us, really, basically. They're informing us on what the message should be like, what it should look like, and where it should show up in the community. So that they've been very helpful. And, and Darius and I talked about it before you came, about how we're not assuming what people want. Mm -hmm. We're asking them, and you can speak to that. Yeah, so, like, okay, so, for instance, the when John was just talking about the language around HIV yeah. and the stigma that comes up, right. like, yes, HIV positive folks are often more healthy than we are. Um, we yeah. can have unprotected sex without being on prep with someone that has a low viral load. Right. Like we don't need to, and there's a lot of still dated stigma around HIV um, and having positive partners that we need to move away from. Right. But we also, like we realized some of our language on our signage, we had a few folks give us feedback saying, hey, this is actually, um, creating more stigma within the positive community. Wow. Mm -hmm. So our thing was, we're gonna take all this down, mm -hmm. and we were like, what should we do, what should we do? And then we're like, no, we need to, just like we do everything else and go to the community, mm -hmm. we're gonna go to the community and ask and them ask, like yeah. what they think, because we don't know, and like this is like something new for us. We're like, no, we would think that this is something that you want, but mm -hmm. it's it's not. And then like not realizing, so then that happened, and then we got some flyers sent to sent to us um, yeah. that they want us to post, and it was for a research study, and they mm -hmm. were asking for mm -hmm. healthy youth and mm -hmm. HIV positive youth. 
and oh, so I was like, no. exactly. So, so yeah. yeah. Um, so we sent it back. Said we're not going to do this, mm-hmm. but they were actually really good with the feedback, and they're like, okay. oh, because these people don't know. They're not thinking. It's like we have researchers, and they're just thinking about the research, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like so we like community partnership really is community building and restarting, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. like we're working with the library, we're working with PC, which is uh, Philly. People's Emergency Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the Young Healers stand up uh, in the youth. Heal- those are uh, youth that have faced homelessness in Philadelphia or, or has faced uh, houselessness and they're trying to end this in Philly. So again, like we're thinking about housing. We're thinking about food security. So we're working with uh, f- the city planners actually <laughs> as well. So the district city planners, if they do anything, they're gonna check in with us. Um, so not thinking again like it's not just the medical providers mm-hmm. it's the it's everyone that's yeah. providing mm-hmm. health care so like the library is a big source yeah. of of health for folks right because one if if we have house people that don't have houses they're they're they utilizing these spaces this <laughs> is where they're hanging out at yeah, right. at the laundromat so mm-hmm. like that's why we go there and mm-hmm. do outreach um but the community partnerships are really important because we care about our community and a lot of us are part of that community and I tell the folks here often because the the hospital loves the pride program um, and we often remind them that I know that y'all love it and that it's great and but you do have to do it really right because if you fail mm-hmm. nobody's gonna be like Einstein failed they're gonna be like yo you seen what Darius did over there at the at the pride program <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna be all over career affiliate exchange <laughs> and I'm mess. not trying to have that yes <laughs> that was a hot mess. that was a hot mess so we're you know no, we're, we're really careful about that yes and we take our lead you know there's a there are a bunch of groups and I'm not gonna call them out um, today but uh, there is this buzz going on in Philly around community control of health mm-hmm. and people of color mm-hmm. um, and it's being led by activists and it's a beautiful thing and um, they're basically saying no we we have the rights uh, we want to be a part of our treatment mm-hmm. and we mm-hmm. um, realize that it's, it's it's in our benefit to like cut through the red tape and the only way to do that is to join together yeah. with what we all are like experts in I, I think on the horizon uh, black people and people of color will, will, will find themselves, it'll be easier to engage and healthier. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening to our very important and necessary conversation uh, with Einstein Healthcare Network. To learn more about HIV prevention and PrEP, go to www.prepfacts.org. And now it's time for... I, I said, said what, what I, I said. said. So my I Say What I Said for this week is going to be a little bit controversial. Um, at category is, we have a policy that kids are off limits. But allegedly, this little girl is 16 years old. So she, you know. I mean, but she's really a kid. <laughs> she don't look like one. I mean, well, she's a minor here in America. Yeah. Isn't she from another country? So she's from Sweden. What's their age of majority? Um... It might be 16, maybe okay. 17. <laughs> but so my I Say What I Said is directed at Greta Thunberg, who is a 16-year-old climate activist. She is in the, the consideration to win a Nobel Prize and all sorts of other awards. She, Seriously? Yeah. So even the Nobel Prize is lowering their standards. <laughs> oh, 16? 
I thought they had an age cut off. So she is Tootsie rolling across the world talking about climate change <laughs> and how the greatest threat to the world is going to be, you know, mm-hmm. carbon emissions and pollution and trash and all sorts of things. But I just have one question that nobody seems to be asking is why is this little girl not in school? <laughs> Like, her protest signs don't even, they're not even proper grammar. She's always, like, looking confused and (laughs) frowning and scowling at people. And I'm just like, it's probably because she doesn't understand what they are saying. Because she probably reads at, like, an eighth grade level. Okay, first of all, stop that. I, <laughs> believe, I believe she's a, Sweden, a Swedish national. She is from Sweden. Yes, uh, we do, love Ikea. We do love Ikea. Thank you, girl. <laughs> uh, she Europe has a better education system than America. They but, also graduate a little earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if she's already graduated school I or soon it. will be. Mm. You know? Maybe she can't read. Because, you know, even the Ikea um, instructions, they don't have words on that. It is true. So, maybe she is really confused. (laughs) But, I mean, like, I get what she's trying to do. But, girl, finish school first. Get you a college degree first. Okay. Take some courses. I mean, maybe she got some AP credits that'll transfer over. But, I just don't see it. Like, I, I understand, you know, she's making... An impact. She was um, like Times 100 most influential people. Really? And they give. I mean, they are throwing awards. How at many this followers girl. does she have on Instagram? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm curious. She has 7.5 million followers. Bitch, get into it. I mean, good for her. Her influence but, is strong. But her ponytail is weak. Like, girl, she's a child. She grown. She driving Arnold Schwarzenegger Tesla, and she's um, what? Yeah, she's like. Does she got a license? That is my question. Girl, I just have my provisional. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And she's like sailing across the English Channel and doing all sorts of stuff around the globe. But I just don't see it for her. I just have a lot of questions. Like, where are your parents at? Um, I don't know. Like, you can't even be out that late. Like, you breaking curfew. Talking about change the world. I mean, but how is she any different than like Lindsay Lohan when she was 16? Well, what was Kylie doing when she was 16? Making that money and popping that. Oop. No, she wasn't. She was darling. You don't think she was? I don't know these children like that. <laughs> but I just don't see it for Greta. And I would love for her to get enrolled somewhere. Where's the college admission scandal when you need it? <laughs> and I said what I said. Oh, poor Greta. Mm-hmm. Well, this week, my I said what I said is a little tangential, wherein everyone feels like they need to offer up something or speak on everything. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just like the societal pressure of now living in such a fast news cycle and having all That's this probably, information yeah. at our fingertips, yeah. where people feel like they have to offer their opinion on everything. That's what we do here? I know. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I and I have to check myself, right? Because I think sometimes people perceive me as a know-it-all or that I got something to say about everything. You do. And I may have something to say about everything. (laughs) But I'm also American. I'm also a millennial. And I feel like I'm also a victim of what has come. So I'm also, don't think that I'm not talking about myself. However, within this realization, I'm realizing that I need to check myself as well. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like we feel this pressure or this need to offer up our opinion on everything. Mm -hmm. And I'm really trying to practice like, and I've been doing so really intently the past week, 
of like if I don't feel like I have enough information on a topic mm-hmm. to really thoughtfully offer my opinion, then I should not speak on that topic or I should only speak on that topic to the point that I can support my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because right. there are very, I'm, I'm not saying that you've got a limit which you can talk about. And then sometimes we can kind of get lost in this discourse of misinformation or of not really tackling the heart of the issue. And I think that's something that we all should be more cognizant of. Like, I know for me, I don't know too much about Ms. Greta, but that's your, you know, I said what I said for the week. It was. And there were certain things I tried to talk on, but I stopped at certain points. And I feel like it's just, we kind of have to identify, well, you know what? I don't know that much about that topic, so I'm not going to offer too much of an opinion. To me, it kind of sounds sexy when someone can say, hey, you know what? I don't know a lot about that. And that's okay. Because <laughs> when have you ever heard somebody say that? Because oftentimes people pipe up and say something, and they're either incorrect, they're wrong, they don't have a full understanding of the issue. But who can? I mean, honestly, between like going to work, paying your bills, dealing with your children and your cheating man and all these other things, mm-hmm. what are you going? Like, do you have the time to offer an opinion on that? Probably not. Well, I think that when someone is in a conversation or they're in a situation where they are expected to speak on something, I think if they said, oh, I don't know about that, so I'm just not going to say anything, then they would look dumb or they would feel that they would portray themselves as uneducated, uninformed, and out of touch with what's going on in the world. So... To them, it is better to say something than say nothing. Mm-hmm. Like, you for example, I, and I get that, but I think that we kind of have to, like, kind of really have a conversation with ourselves about that pressure. Because how many mm-hmm. times have you been at work, right? Mm-hmm. And you've said something in a meeting setting. And then five minutes later, someone says exactly what you said and they get praised for it, but you, like, didn't? Um, no, because I don't talk to people at work. <laughs> okay. Well, I have experienced that okay. many times. Uh-huh. And I don't know if any of our listeners have experienced that. But when that shit happens, you be so hot. Because you're like, cause, but then what it does is, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, wait, well, why didn't they hear me when I said it? It could be a multitude of reasons, mm-hmm. whether this person's more senior, maybe this person's more respected, maybe this person's more of an expert. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know what it is. So in that instance, do you say, well, hold on, Bill, because I said that five minutes ago. Well, that gets tricky because you want your job security, right? And who is Bill, right? <laughs> but that gets, but again, that's a little bit different than what I'm saying. It's all, I feel like sometimes people just don't, if I don't know enough about a topic, uh-huh. I'm going to not offer up anything rather than regurgitate something that someone has already said, just to feel like I'm adding to the conversation when in fact I'm not. And it's not even about adding well, to the conversation. Mm-hmm. You could be concurring because concurrence is, need, is needed. Sometimes we need to have like mm-hmm. a quorum. Are we voting? Not not a quorum for voting, but just like a a consensus Uh amongst the group. But I think that, you know, I'm not trying to silence anyone in their ideas, but I think that sometimes we should all challenge ourselves to say, like, it's okay not to have an opinion on everything. Because this world is so vast and there's so much happening and you don't know a lot. When we were talking the other week about the whole Trump um, Mm -hmm. thing that was happening with Ukraine, Mm -hmm. I kind of like felt bad i felt some shame because you weren't yeah 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 i I said i was like Mm -hmm. honestly i don't know enough about this Mm -hmm. so i I get the trepidation Mm -hmm. and the social stigma with not knowing yeah everything well i'm just challenging everyone to say that 
you don't need to have an opinion on every damn thing. And I said what I said. All right, let's get into tens, tens, tens across the board. This week, my tens goes to Atlanta Mayor Keisha Knight Bottoms. That is not. <laughs> I'm sorry. Mm, that is not her name. Keisha Knight. Keisha Knight Pulliam is Rudy. Yes. Rudy okay. I'm sorry. She lives in Atlanta. Okay. So she was going to be on, she was rumored to be on um, Real Housewives of Atlanta for a while. Because remember, she? she was, um, her baby daddy is um, Lisa Wool Hartwell's ex husband. <gasps> yes. That's right. Yes. Their love child. Mm. No, no, no. Well, yeah, I guess. Mm. Yeah, they weren't married. Check the facts. Yeah. I like Lisa Wu Hartwell. She's on the show on Netflix that looks really low budget. Oh, it's called like The oh. Professor, and she's oh. a really. Let's go to some more classes. Yeah. All right. So back to Miss Mayor Bottoms. Mm-hmm. Um, they announced she announced that in the city of Atlanta they have raised fifty million dollars to help the homeless population. Okay. Um, I believe that twenty five million of that came from private donations. Mm-hmm. And then the city also helped to contribute, as did the United Way. Oh, okay. And now this $50 million is going to be used to build 550 homes that is going to house the homeless population. Mm-hmm. I think that for me, homelessness was something that I never really ever thought of nor considered until I went to college. I grew up in South Jersey, mm-hmm. and um, my whole idea of homelessness was just what was ever portrayed to me in the media, okay. film, television, mm-hmm. you know? I thought that, you know, homelessness was always someone that had, like, you know, those fingerless gloves. <laughs> Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> Oscar the Grouch. But but it's funny how, like, people still, like, those things are ingrained in uh-huh. you. Like, I still will not wear those fingerless gloves. <laughs> you know? Because the people on Skid Row got her. <laughs> Stop. It's not funny. But I'm just saying. But, like, as a, as a child, I'm saying, please, okay. because as a child, my view of what homeless people was mm-hmm. was just this one thing. Okay. And then when I was at my freshman year at LaSalle University, we had to do a lot of volunteer mm-hmm. and like pro bono to even yeah. graduate. And I volunteered with something called Project Home. Okay. And I would go there and meet with people mm-hmm. and like, you know, not just serve them food on some random Sunday. On holiday. But like we would go there, like mm-hmm. we had a schedule. Really? And yeah. And we'd go down there and meet with them and talk with them. And mm-hmm. I think that, you know, there's a certain loneliness and invisibility that some homeless people feel, you know, when they're asking for change. And that's that's one thing that always hurts my feelings. Like mm-hmm. when I'm out with people, mm-hmm. I observe, A, how you tip the waiter mm-hmm. and how you treat wait staff. Because I've waited tables. It's a hard job. Okay. But when you're just walking down the city and people ask you for money and when people ignore them, it hurts my heart. And I observe that kind of shit. I feel like give people human dignity. I, if I don't have the money, if, if Sir says, how can I have some money? I'll, say, I'm, I'll, I'll acknowledge them and say, I'm sorry if I had it. Or, fuck you. <laughs> and that has happened that's to me. You know my one story. Which one? I was at, God forbid, but I'm sorry. I've repented. Dunkin' Donuts. Uh-huh. Getting a coffee oh. one day. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It, it was a low point in my life. No, <laughs> I was at Dunkin' Donuts. And there was like a, I believe to be homeless person, mm-hmm. literally standing at the counter, mm-hmm. which is really intimidating. And yeah, the woman gave me my change because I paid in cash. Mm-hmm. So this person saw me get the money. So mm-hmm. now I can't lie and say, yeah. uh, I don't have it, right? Uh-huh. And she's like, can I get a dollar? And I had like 53 cents or something uh-huh. in change. But she wasn't getting this paper because yeah. I had like things that was budgeted. Uh-huh. So I like gave her the change. Do you know, as I walked away, she threw the change at me and was like, motherfucker, I asked for a dollar. Yeah, they be asking for very specific <sighs> amounts. They do. One time I was at Starbucks mm-hmm. and 
there was a homeless person and she was like going down the line asking everybody for change. And, you know, people were like, no, I don't have it. I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And so the lady in front of me, um, she was like, she, she comes up to the lady and she's like, you know, do you have any money so I can mm-hmm. get some coffee? Okay. And the lady's like, okay, well, I'll buy I'll you buy some you a coffee. coffee. We in Starbucks. And she was like, so the homeless lady goes, well, personally, I find Starbucks coffee too bitter. Can you just give me the money? <laughs> So the lady's like, oh, okay, well, I'll just buy you whatever you want. That lady went to like that, um, you know, that cooler where they have all the like the sandwiches and like the snacks and the yogurt. The protein packs. Uh huh. She grabbed up like a scoop of those and put them on the counter. She's like, I'll take all of these. (laughs) Was she going to sell them? Probably. Yeah. I'm sorry. But that's tough. I mean, but again, back to our point, I think that homelessness is not something that's discussed enough. Mm -hmm. I think that there's a stigma amongst how the general population views people who are homeless Mm -hmm. and what homelessness looks like people who are housing insecure are homeless like you know people who don't have a place a paycheck away of their own to rest their head Mm -hmm. people who are couch surfing that's that's considered homelessness Mm -hmm. and i think that you know this program in the city of atlanta is really really major and i wish other cities would kind of make more of an initiative because america is a really rich country and homelessness should not be an issue here how they gonna pay these bills um, I'm not sure about all the details, okay. but give people a home, mm-hmm. let them get on their feet, and let's get them some job training. Let's, let's pour into them so that they can feel like their best selves. And so tens to Mayor Bottoms. Well, speaking of Bottoms in Atlanta, Ooh. my tens <laughs> is going to <laughs> Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry becomes the first black person in history to own a major film studio. He opened it up in Atlanta. He bought a 330-acre facility which used to be a Confederate army base. Yes. And he turned it into 12 sound stages, which are named after influential black actors and actresses, including Denzel Washington and rest in peace to Diane Carroll, who just passed oh, away. She did. Soundstage number one is named after none other than Mother Oprah Winfrey. Yes. So he had Academy Award winners. Viola Davis, Spike Lee, Whoopi Goldberg, Halle Berry, and a whole bunch of other people. <laughs> Who were nominees, like Will Smith and everybody Yeah, else. like Will Smith, like Ava was there. Um, Precious was there. Colin Kaepernick was there. And like some weird green, like metallic ninja looking thing. Yeah. He looked like a superhero with them raggedy cornrows. He's giving like late Wakanda. Yeah. I don't know. I don't like it. Yeah, but the fashions were a mess. Everybody was at TJ Maxx getting whatever they could find Stop. off the rack. But, you know, let me not give them too much. Um, it's, it's, it's a, you know, historic moment. Tyler Perry has paid his dues. He was homeless for a while. He was. He's living his car. Living his car. He started out doing those um, Medea plays. He had that character, Medea, and, it, you know, he turned it into an empire. I used to call the mama I don't plays. It wasn't specific to yeah, Tyler, but uh-huh. it was just them little chitlin' circuit plays. Yeah. The first lines, I was like, Mama, I don't want to marry him. Yeah. Or Mama, I don't want to get an abortion. It yeah. always started. Yeah. <laughs> Mama, I don't. <laughs> but it was good. Um, so, yeah, tense for him. His next For his next venture, I want him to buy a closet and then come out of that. Um, but, Stop. you know, good for you, Tyler Perry. Beyonce was there. She was. She's looking thick. Yes. She was looking thick. Yes. Yes. But I mean, it was a monumental event. And mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, I, I kind of want to not share your terms, uh-huh. but I'll kind of piggyback or, okay. or add to because he also dedicated a space. Mm-hmm. Like, 
this is a major deal. I was like reading about it as well. And uh-huh. it was like, his studios are bigger than like Sony, yeah. Disney, mm-hmm. Warner Brothers, like combined. Yeah, like all put together, yes. Right. And it's like still space. Like, mm-hmm. It's like a big freaking deal. Yeah. Um, I hope that it's just going to be sustained throughout time. Mm-hmm. And I hope the other, you know, that he can build and sustain this empire. Yeah, yeah. But he has like housing for the like, um, you know, actors and oh, everyone okay. who can live there oh, wow. while they're shooting their films. Oh, that's cool. And he also has like a, um, a compound or a place for homeless women mm-hmm. and LGBT youth well, to live at right. the studios. Yes. So yes, <laughs> there's some overlap. Yes. After all these programs, Atlanta should really have their homelessness situation together. together. Y'all can go live at Tyler Perry Studios. We're going to give y'all the address. Yes. Yeah. But that's a really good thing. Like, I'm, I'm just so proud of our brother Tyler. Mm-hmm. She did that. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us for another episode. We will see you next week. Bye. Bye.